Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. Welcome back everybody. Bob Stoffer with you. Along with uh, Brendan Escott, this is Oilers Now. It is brought to you by Digitex, who wish you and yours all the best during these challenging and uncertain times. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. In this hour on Oilers Now, we'll uh, hook up with longtime NHL uh, coach Bruce Boudreau, who's currently doing some media work as well as Bakerfield Condors head coach Jay Woodcroft with an update from the farm. You can text us at any time at uh, 780-496-0063 on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Ashley Fine Floors providing winning results for over 35 years. As we head off to our River Cree Resort and Casino hotline, we are pleased to be joined uh, by a guy who's uh, had some very successful stints in the NHL's head coach. Our Oilers now headliner today for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. Just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. We welcome to back to the show. I think this is the second time we've been privileged to have him on, Bruce Boudreau. Bruce, it's Bob. How you doing? I'm doing well today, uh, Bob. Thanks for having me on. Yes, and uh, I owe a, a debt of gratitude to your longtime friend, Gil Scott. Uh, we've actually had dinner together a couple times, once with Mike Singletary in Dallas. I remember that one. I think uh, Gil yes, was cool. Yes. Yeah, he was closing the Barry Trotz deal that night. So uh, that was a, that was an interesting night. Uh, how goes the battle? How you doing? I mean, you're, you're a coach. You're a guy that, you know, grinded your way. It didn't happen overnight for you. You had to, you know, literally hit every stop in the way to the National Hockey League and then had the great success. Uh, coaching's in your blood. So uh, what's it like right now sort of doing some media work? And, and obviously I would think that if, if in the time comes, you're going to jump right back in when you have another conversation with an NHL club about taking one on. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, I miss it terribly. I mean, uh, the one thing you, you never get tired of when you're, when you're either coaching or playing is you're in the battle. And uh, that's what I miss. You know, you, you have your, your, your family away from home, but uh, it's, it's that battle that you're in on a nightly basis 
that uh, that you miss. But I mean, the media thing is fine. It's a lot of fun, but it just doesn't whet your appetite like it is being being right there with the guys every night uh, uh, and having a, a fight, you know, a dog in the fight type thing. Uh, when you're in the media, you sort of, you know, other than you know, criticize whether um, the team does bad or good or an individual does bad or good, you go home at night and, you you know, it doesn't really matter uh, who won or lost unless you're cheering for a special team. But uh, when you're when you're coaching or you're playing on a team, boy, that uh, that's your whole life, and that's uh, that's a it's it's stressful, but it's pretty exciting at the same time. Well, you've had a tremendous amount of success, eight first place finishes uh, at a divisional level uh, in the National Hockey League. But you 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 went on a journey, like you really had to dig in and be committed to become an NHL head coach because you know you, you coach at all the different levels along the way, and sometimes there's guys that get fast tracked and and maybe. You've just for our listeners out there, I mean, we got a lot of guys that want to work in hockey and that sort of thing. Uh, can you maybe speak to the grind and battling for what you yeah, want? You know what? Not only you have to be committed, it has to be uh, uh, it has to be something you're willing to put up with a lot of failures before you get your opportunity. I mean, it's not easy to be one of the 31 and potentially 32 coaches in the best league in the world, but. Um, and there's there's times where you're going to be living in places you don't want to live. There's going to be times where you're not in control of the, the players that are on the ice. And no matter how good a job you do, it's not going to be successful. But uh, if you if you continue, and it was a good word, committed, stay committed to it, and eventually you meet enough people along the way that you can get a break here and now here and there again it's uh uh it can be pretty rewarding in the end as as i've found it as i never thought that quite frankly that i would end up getting into the nhl i mean uh, uh i was 53 years old when i got my opportunity and i, I didn't know how long a window i had to get there, but uh, was pretty grateful I stuck with it and and got the opportunity. Some of the stops along the way: Muskegon, Fort Wayne, uh, Mississippi, uh, Low Lock, Manchester, and Hershey. The last three, obviously, Hershey kind of a unique situation because that's been an elite AHL organization for a long time. One of the reputations I think you have, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I always thought you were a player's coach. You know what I mean? You seem to get guys to play for. You, you seem to have pretty positive relation, and and for the listeners that aren't aware, you were a fantastic uh, minor league score, uh, even in your national league numbers. I mean, you had seventy points in one hundred and forty games in the NHL when you sort of get cut up, you know, called up in bits and spurts during uh, your your playing career. But do, do you do you think that's a fair assessment to say that you were you were a player's coach? I think in the end it's a it's a it's a fair assessment, but I just think I was a fair coach. Like I mean, the one thing when you play in the minors an awful lot uh, in your life, and you get up and you go up and down, you get to understand the feelings of, of what it's like to be a a fourth line guy, a first line guy, a minor league guy, and an NHL guy. And and I think my biggest strength was understanding all of those. Uh, the way guys felt so I could communicate uh, I thought really well with the players and I thought that was my my main trait was I was a good communicator or I am a good communicator and and I get the 
best out of out of the players, and uh, um, uh, I take a lot of pride in that. And and it takes a lot of it takes a lot of work, quite frankly. I mean, it's easy to sit back and and draw up a game plan and and just go out and do it come hell or high water. But it it takes a lot of uh, effort when you want to get to know the players because you have to know uh, how they feel like there's certain days where i mean you guys had matt Hendricks and uh, and i thought he was one of the greatest team players i've ever had and one of the stories that always stick out with me is is that there was a few days there uh when he was in washington with me where he wasn't uh he, he wasn't uh, his energetic self and he was uh, morose and he was brooding and you know and and then Instead of yelling at him or something, uh, you know, and just say, hey, listen, you're a fourth-line guy. you got to be doing this to help the team. I knew the fact that his twins had croup. And so, I mean, so when you're at home and you're not sleeping at night, these things carry on into the into the, the day, days of the game, into the days of the practice. So, I mean, I gave him, a, you know, just ended up giving him a couple days off and said, hey, listen, you get the kids better. That's the most important thing right now. And uh, and when you're ready to come back and they're they're healthy, you, you come back. So you get to know the families and the players, and then you, you get to understand why they're having sometimes the emotions or the or the pitfalls that they're having and and i thought that was um that was a good strength of mine you know it's interesting as we're joined by bruce booter a longtime nhl head coach bob stoffer with you on Oilers now uh you know and, and there's minor pro coaching legends like john brophy and the game was completely different and players knew from a look from a coach as to what to do and you know john had a specific style that he thoroughly mm-hmm. embraced and i'm not going to be a hypocrite i enjoy some of that stuff a little bit once in a while i like goals and i like toughness that's what i like so uh but i i want to ask you and, and some people say well you know you guys discuss this so much how different it is today but how much of an evolution has occurred in terms of the importance of having those sort of relationships with the player for a coach to get the most out of the player well, I mean, um, the young player is different now than the the young player was was twenty twenty five years ago, and he, and well below well before that when when Brof was coaching. I mean, um, they want to know they want to know why. If you're not playing them, it's not a question of okay, you know, I'm just a, a, a young kid. They'll come into your office and they'll say, why am I not playing? Because they all have the video, they all have it on their computers. They go watch their games. They want to understand why things are being said and done to them. Whereas when we played, it was like if the coach said this, we just did this. And we didn't ask questions because if you ask questions back in the back in the day in the 70s and 80s, I mean, you got traded or they sent you down. I mean, you just did what they did. Nowadays, I mean, they want to know the situation, why you're doing that situation. And uh, it's a, it's a, the, the, the young men are totally different than the the young men uh, were when when I first started, and that's not a that's that's not a bad thing. It's just it's the evolution of the of of the player. I th- uh, so you you got to understand, you got to deal with it, and you got to grow with it, and you got to learn with it. So. Bruce Boudreaux joining us, Bob Stoffer with you in Oilers now. Bruce, I know you're, you, you you do some work on the Capitals broadcast. Uh, you coached Alex Ovechkin elite special player and he has been able to sustain it i mean he truly is and he's he's an elite special player as a scoring winger in a time in which it's sort of been dominated by right shot defensemen and centers what was it like to coach him 
you know what? Uh, it had its moments. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's um, uh, he's a believe me, I love him, and I, he's a fabulous uh, and athlete and player. But I mean, at the beginning, he didn't know English very well, and he came over from Russia. So I mean, it was the the complete game that he was missing a little bit. He was just coming over to he was a scorer, and I mean, he he had to. Um, uh, get his game even better, and that's when they started. Uh, when they won the cup, was because his game evolved, and Nick Backstrom's game evolved, and 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 the the other like Kuznetsov's game evolved, and now that they became more complete players rather than just offensive players. But I mean, I knew I could put him out. I had him when he scored 65 goals one year, and everything he touched went in, and some of the most beautiful goals you'll ever see, and. And he just was unstoppable when he put his mind to it. And uh, those memories will be etched forever. I mean, I, I could go over goal after goal that he scored that with that shot of his. It uh, it would come off his stick so fast that if it hit the goalie, it was a great save. It didn't hit the goalie, it was in the net. And uh, um, it, was, it was fun to be sitting on the bench so close and watching him. From a Canadian-centric perspective... What do you think about the North Division right now and what you're watching? I think it's, you know, other than Toronto, every other team has had their fits and starts. Like, I mean, um, I think they're just sort of like, it's like putty and they're still trying to find out exactly where they all belong. Edmonton didn't start out great and now they're going pretty good. Montreal started out great. Now they're struggling a little bit. Vancouver has gone through rough spots and now they're starting to play better. Even Ottawa, which played so bad at the beginning of the year now they're a tough out i watch uh, seem to watch them a lot these days and and they're they're a tough out and and so i mean calgary has had its good spots and and it's not so good spots so i mean i think and and you know the other other team winnipeg has basically you know uh, played the same way they've either won or lost so it's it's uh it's exciting i mean you look you look at all the leading scorers in the league they're all from the north um division and it's 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 exciting hockey to watch and i look forward every night to be to watch in the north division whoever's playing but uh it's it's going it would be interesting to see how they were would compare this is what i'm thinking uh, how they compare against the vegas colorado tampa carolina i mean you keep playing the same teams so you know you keep beating the same teams but you don't know if you're really as good or if you're a lot better than um the teams that are in the other division i guess we'll see eventually when the uh when the playoffs are in the the, the semifinals and finals, but uh, um, or at least the finals for sure. But I mean, uh, right now, I like watching it. It's entertaining as all get out, and you know, it's uh, and I think as time goes on, it's going to get a little more aggressive as well. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. We're joined by Bruce Boudreaux. It's interesting, Bruce, because from Edmonton, Calgary, and Vancouver's perspective, I think they were hurt by going into an all-Canadian division because the Pacific, the three California teams you were with, Anaheim, it's pretty clear. Like, they can't score. When you watch the Ducks, they got a great goalie. They can't score. And now it's. I wonder if it's going to start to get to Gibson. Clearly, L.A.'s in a rebuild. San Jose, they might be in a rebuild for a couple of years. they got some tough contracts there. I'd even argue Arizona is a team that, 
I think Rick Tockett's done a decent job as always, but uh, that's an interesting scenario for the the Western Canadian teams. Uh, you coached against Connor for uh, parts of five seasons. Uh, you, you've been in the game a long, long time. How did you, uh, you know, what sort of messaging did you, and you had a very good team in Anaheim and, you know, won a lot of games in Minnesota, a couple seasons, 45-plus wins. What was your approach to dealing uh, when you went head-to-head against uh, McDavid and Len, and then later on Dreisaitl? Well, I mean, <laughs> we were hoping that they were sick, <laughs> quite frankly. Uh, and you saw it the other night in the 7-1 game, and I'll, I'll explain it, what I mean. But the, when Connor feels it and he's going, it doesn't matter what you're doing. He's he's going he's gonna to beat you. And uh, with Dreisaitl, I think he's just come out of it. Um, he's always been a great player. But I think the last couple of years, he's he's really come come around, and I think he needed a couple of years of of growth to become the player he is. But with us, it was like it was simple. We wanted to keep him with Connor in front of um, uh, between him and the net. There always had to be a player between him and the net. And when he wound up, and when he winds up, I mean, we would try to get like uh, our fastest skater and our best checker uh, out there to try to, you know, sort of stay in front of him. And if he had the puck to go at him and eliminate him, and that if he gave the puck up, he was always looking for the puck back. So you had, you couldn't turn and go where the puck was. You had to stick with him and you had to make sure that you were on him right away. So, I mean, I mean, defensively, we wanted Brodine and Spurgeon against these guys in Minnesota all the time because they're the ones that could skate, uh, skate with them a little bit. Uh, And so it, but we tried to you try to do all these things, but again, when they're on, they're on. They're just I mean, we played them last year, I think the first game, and uh, um, shot them out. Suter got well. Well, there's one game it might have been yeah. the year before that uh, they, they I think they beat a seven three or seven two or something like that, right. and uh, he was just you know there was no stopping him. And there was the one time poor Ryan Suter got caught flat footed at the end of a shift, and Connor had the puck, and you could see it in his eyes from the bench. Uh oh, here it comes, and he just goes by a hundred miles an hour, and. Uh, with that speed of his, and uh, there's not there's nothing you can do about it. You want to, you you know, in the old days, I mean, the only way we could do that is chop them in half, but you can't do that anymore. And uh, you don't want to do it do it to the great players and get them out anyway. But uh, you know yourself that if this was the 80s or 90s, <laughs> uh, around the net, those big defensemen would take their thick sticks, their titans, and that, and they would just chop them and chop them and chop them because it's the only way they can get they get close to. Uh, being up to his level. I watched Edmonton play Dallas six years uh, in the playoffs, and Hatcher mm-hmm. and Mavtichuk and Craig Ludwig, and the Oilers would just dump the puck in their corners in those playoff games and try to pound the living snot out of them because when it was in front of the goal, those guys would just get away. I mean, Darian Hatcher could have been called for a penalty four times in one shift every shift. It's incredible how much the game's changed in that regard, Bruce. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you watch the highlights just from even yesterday. How many guys are left out in front with the defensemen not touching them? And I, you know, just I watch those things and I pray, wish to God it was like that when I played because I would have had a, a, a thousand points a, a year in the minors. But I mean, it's not. Uh, 
And you can go to the front of the net now and you can not be touched because everybody fronts the puck and they block the shots rather than eliminating the forward in, uh, in front because, you know, the refs will be sitting right there. And, I mean, you're allowed to compete in front, but if you get outside, um, say, the crease area, it's really tough to box players out because they'll call it. You have to be within a certain area, um, and the refs are sort of, sometimes they're lenient with it, sometimes they're not, that if you box them out too close to the net uh, or too far away from the net, they'll call you. And, and, And players are reluctant to do it a lot of the time. So it's, it's a, it's, it's easier to get there this uh, nowadays, but there's also so many other things that the players do better these days that it's uh, that like skating is one of them. That I mean, it it makes up for it. So it's a uh, uh, it evens out in the end. Bruce, much appreciated. Thank you for your time, and uh, we'll uh, likely be seeing you down. Hopefully, we'll uh, be seeing you down the road, getting back to regular uh, travel and everything else uh, with your uh, next stop on uh, on your journey as an NHL head coach. Thank you very much. Well, I appreciate it, Bob. Thanks for having me on, and and I hope to see you guys as well. Okay. Right. Super. That is Bruce Boudreau, longtime NHL head coach. He's our Oilers now headliner. Wilhawk Beef Jerky. Just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, uh, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. As we go, Brendan, are you ready to go for this? We're going to queue it up here momentarily. Uh, in about 39 seconds' time, we'll have the North Division report. But not before I tell you that there's an old saying in the car business, cars cost less than a task when outstanding customer service is a key to business as well. Brent Ridge Ford, nine-time President's Diamond Award winner for customer satisfaction. Ford is built for you. I'm in a 2021 F-150 loaded, great navigation system. It's got all the trinkets and baubles. The only problem is... I suck around vehicles. Like, I need somebody to help me out. Johnny at Brent Ridge spent a lot of time getting me hooked up. He can do that for you as well. So let Johnny, Uncle Milt, Rich, and the gang at Brent Ridge Ford lend a hand. You can reach them. 1-877-477-3673 or visit BrentRidge.com. Ah, we're going to get right to it. Here we go. Brendan Escott's back at the 630 Chad Studios as we go to our North Division Report brought to you by Craig Hummel at REMAX Excellence. Well, there's a new team in second place after a long stranglehold uh, by Montreal. They have faltered, losing four of their last five games. So now, sitting in behind uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, who have a six-point lead on second place, the Edmonton Oilers, through 12 games, 24 points now. Winners of three in a row, they get two against Vancouver next to Edmonton. Winnipeg in third place, uh, two games in hand on the Oilers and just one point back. They've got back-to-back wins and will play Montreal next. That's the team right in behind them. Canadians holding down that final playoff spot. Vancouver trying to turn things around here. They've lost uh, a couple of games in a row as well. Calgary in a tailspin. Bob at 17 points through 18 games played. They'll try and uh, get Toronto on the road tonight. And then Ottawa looking to crawl out of the basement uh, as best they can. Just 11 points on the year. They're six back of sixth place with a game against the Habs on tap. Oh, we have no stinger to play right now, by the way, so just go ahead. <laughs> okay, well, that's your North Division report brought to you daily by Craig, or Monday, Wednesday, Friday by Craig Hummel at Rebax Excellence. Uh, we will tell you that Slater Cuckoo has officially been placed on IR due to a broken collarbone. That means the Oilers have, uh, obviously, Clefbaum on for the year. Zach Cassian remains on IR as well after suffering a hand injury in a fight against Erica Branson. We will head off to a global news weather traffic update 
with Eileen Bell. More on Oilers now uh, when we return with Jay Woodcroft, the head coach of the Bakersfield Condors. Oilers now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.